Soccer Central News Episode One. We are back, Kyle yep. D'Antoni, with a good friend of mine, Tyler Bates. Great to have you, my friend. A lot of good things to cover this weekend. Big EPL news. Two big stories that are going to pretty much take up most of our time tonight. Yeah. What a weekend. What a weekend. <laughs> Just a little bit of a big weekend, absolutely, for sure, especially with everything that happened as far as with the matches themselves. I mean, you always get something weird as you get with the Premier League. You always get that, right? But I don't think anybody really attained or anybody thought that really this was going to happen as far as the breakouts as we go. With the Merseyside Derby, with what happened, obviously Everton playing with what they had, just an incredible ending. And then, of course, itself. Not to be outdone, Tottenham coming in and doing exactly what they do, doing Tottenham things over the weekend too as well. So, but just an amazing, just an amazing. But overall, though, an amazing weekend of league play outside and in, and also leading up into what we have now. As we all know, tomorrow the Champions League begins. Tomorrow, another season begins. So, before we get into that, just a refresher. It is going into, I believe, week four here in the EPL. Week, yeah, finishing week four. <laughs> Sheffield United and Fulham tie one up. Crystal Palace and Brighton one up. Spurs, this is the big one, my friend. Spurs blow a three-goal lead at the 16th minute yeah. to West Ham, who score all three goals, tying it after 82nd. And then 85, and then an absolute screamer from Lanzini, 30 yards out at 94 minutes. Spurs only get a point. Whether you like Spurs or not, I'm an Arsenal fan. I don't like Spurs. This is how it is. You don't feel bad, but at the same time, you're like, Spurs flat out, they didn't just lose. They they lost everything. No, they, like, no, they did. Absolutely. I mean, think about this, though. I mean, I'm watching the match on on Sunday morning, and 15 minutes in, they're up 3-0. And I'm thinking, well, this is a rout. The way that they were scoring, the way they were attacking, I mean, it, we – in, you would think in the first minute with Son getting the first goal within the first minute, and then Harry Kane adding two goals of himself. I mean, at three 0 up, I'm thinking, okay, this is a wrap. This is done. And you think with West Ham coming off their big wins that they had with their coach being out due to COVID restrictions that he had, he was contracted, but he was the first game back after contracting COVID. But they won two matches, 3-0, 4-0, and going in, I'm thinking, well, maybe West Ham might have a chance to make this a little bit of a match. And it certainly and, didn't seem Spurs. Spurs had Gareth Bale on the bench. Yes. He didn't come in until, like, I think 60-plus, 70-plus. Mm-hmm. No, no, it really up for 81 minutes. Literally, it looked like Tottenham was cruising and going for an easy three points. And then, yeah, I mean, we saw the first goal go in. You would think, okay, 3-1, okay, they get one goal in. Yeah, that's fine. Then you get the second goal, and you're thinking, this can't happen, can it? This really is not going to happen yeah. again, can it? And then right. – Really, almost right at the death, it just seems just such a screamer of a final goal that they had at the last minute. And then everybody's sitting there. And I put it out this morning on our Facebook page. There's We we are Tottenham, these guys that are big Tottenham fans, but they have a YouTube page. And on their live feed, just you see two things. Really, just, it's something just graceful. Everything is great. Everything is joyful. And then right at the death. Just everything taken away from you there. And it's two critical points that Tottenham doesn't get because you get those points, they're flirting there with the top three. But, I mean, all these points matter right now. I know that we're only four or five matches in, but really it's momentum going into the EPL where it seems like everything is up for grabs right now in EPL and also going into league play as well and you're in your play as well. Yeah. Tottenham uh, right now, they're uh, sitting at – I think they're, I think they're sitting at six. Yeah, they're at they're at six. six right now? Like you said, a team that in the last couple of years has been flirting with, you know, top four league play, mm-hmm. uh, Champions League, so on and so forth. Uh, it, it it was really a pretty. Uh, you, 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 it's just one of those games where you just kind of like, wow. You really wish that you didn't want to see it because you saw the first two goals and you're like, all right, it's just you know three. And like, okay, it's going to be a blowout. And then you really don't want to wait and watch the rest of the game. And then you hear. You know, they get a goal back. All right, cool. And then they get a second. You're like, oh, okay, it's about to get interesting. And then the third, not only that, 90, 94 plus, mm-hmm. it, was, it was a great ending. And it's one of those games that the EPL is known for. Um, good job for West Ham for coming back. Uh, major props to them. Mm-hmm. Moving on, Leicester City and Villa. This is a high-profile game. Yeah. Two teams in the top four, currently at two and three. Villa wins 1-0. 
Ross Barkley at 90 plus one. Uh, a soft but low in a way uh, shot gets the win. So uh, good on Villa. Um, it's a solid win. Uh, are you are you threatened by Villa at all? I'm not necessarily certain if I'm threatened yet, but I'm certainly putting them on alert now. If you didn't put them on alert beforehand with five matches in now, what they are doing, I'm certainly now putting them on alert to say, okay, we can't be overlooking these guys. I know that they survived by the skin of their teeth from last season, staying up uh, up in EPL, but maybe that's been some type of motivation for them. And especially keeping Jack Grealish was a big key thing. Yeah, I know he didn't score to in this match. Really didn't need to. The rest of his team helped him out in this game. <clears throat> I I honestly, right now, the way that they're playing and with a lot of the momentum and just the overall chemistry of what they have with the team right now, I like what I'm seeing out of Aston Villa. I'm not necessarily, like I said, I'm not necessarily going to be full panic mode alert, but I am keeping my eyeballs on them a little bit more if I'm teams looking at the top because they are challenging right now and they won't be an easy out by the looks of things. Aston Villa and Everton, the only two undefeated teams uh, sitting at the top of the table. Uh, Everton got a game up, game up on them, though, at the moment. So, uh, you know, we'll see. I think Villa has a midweek or early weekend game. Yeah. Uh, so they'll probably get that one back. But all of the attention <laughs> was probably to these next two games. Now, I'll cover one and then we'll go to the other because I think they're both pretty high, yes. but we'll go to it. So City beats Arsenal. Uh, I'm a huge Gunner fan, as you know. Uh, Sterling with the with the game winner, only goal in the in the 23rd minute. To be honest, I watched the entire thing. Uh, it was a relatively, relatively boring game. It was two teams, in my opinion, that respected too much of each other, and were trying to sort out each other's. Both teams wanted to play possession. Both teams wanted to generally play from the back and move the ball up the field. Arsenal absolutely refused to change their tactics. Uh, they were doing what they did. They felt comfortable. And it was working for a little bit. Then they lose possession, and then they get possession back, and they just start all over again. My biggest beef with this, and you as a referee, I'm sure you see it as mm -hmm. well, and me as a coach playing for six years, and both of us have played since we were kids, I hate it when teams play possession, then they get the break that they want through the midfield or up the wings or whatever you want to call it, and then play the ball back yeah. again absolutely infuriates me and arsenal did that a numerous times i'm not going to call out the players but they play for spain <laughs> but it absolutely infuriates me and to to me it's a team that was kind of if that if that was what they're going for it seemed like they were kind of confused on their tactics on what they wanted to do while moving forward up the field um and I, it, it absolutely infuriated well, me. i mean i i don't know really it just it seems that when Arsenal is playing Manchester City in cup games or whatever it is, be it Carabao or Community Shield or whatever cup game it is that means for the FA, it seems like it's a totally different game plan with what Arteta would do with Arsenal. It seems within league play, it's a whole different scheme. It's a whole I, For whatever reason, I don't know if it's just necessarily just to make – let's not make the big mistake. Let's do whatever we can to, at minimum, get out of here with one point. Because we know what we have to deal with. We know what we've got coming up down the road. We know with league play, especially with Europa League coming up for Arsenal itself. I don't know necessarily why. But yeah, it, it does entail, it would make me upset. Me, being as a defender who plays who plays mostly in the center back position, or mostly in left back position, if I'm somebody that's in the back and I give you the ball up to the midfield, my expectation is if you've got the open play, go make the attack, quit passing it back to me. I'm giving you this opportunity. I'm giving you this chance to push forward. Me, as a defender, I'm not going to be making that play one, two. If we're not meant to be making a high-press play, which I wouldn't think Arsenal plays a high-press, I can only think of two teams right now off the top of my head that play an entirely high-press style of ball, I'm not necessarily certain what was on the game plan or what they thought they could see out of Manchester City in terms of just playing in the mid and then playing in the back in maybe just to catch them off guard on that one quick counter to make the long ball. I don't know exactly what that worked for, but certainly didn't work in this game for Arsenal. Aubameyang was absolutely uh, – he was nowhere to be found. Uh, I, didn't hear, <laughs> <laughs> I didn't hear the comment, commentation really mention him. Uh, for, for a second there, William – started to play in the in the you know this the striker position which is not really a position for him even as a, even if he goes to like an attacking mid position he's generally yeah. on the wings uh and and for a, a little bit maybe it was just Arteta trying to be creative 
and trying to move things around to see if he can get a little leeway between players. Maybe that, if that was the case, but it's just something that you would be like, why that's so awkward, I guess. Um, Gunners had a huge lack of creativity. It goes back to the huge uh, Ozil argument. Is Ozil being treated fairly by Arsenal? Uh, Now that one's up for debate by many Gunner fans. Uh, But, you know, they had lack of creativity. Uh, They had Ceballos, who I I am a fan of. Um, But Arsenal are a huge – the last few games, and I would dare even to say at the end of last season, they were favoring – heavy defensive mm-hmm. midfielders, such as Xhaka, Torreira. You know, um, Torreira is not that big of a guy, but he's an aggressive. He's like a pit bull, yeah. you know? So yeah. uh, he's, an, he's aggressive. He's an aggressive player. Too bad he's going. He's out on loan to Atletico. Uh, but uh, Party, which is the big, you know, super, super buy yep. of the summer, comes in at the 83rd minute. And you can't really say that you were impressed or weren't impressed because he really didn't do anything. Coming on the 83. 83rd minute, that's not enough. You were expecting to probably see him at 70, maybe 65, but he didn't do much. But do you think think it's maybe more of just, again, of the lack of fitness, just trying to get into fitness with Arsenal's style scheme play? Or do you think it was just more of the fact of the game, the outcome of the game itself, the style of the game, or just the whole broadness of the game itself just wasn't going to play into his favor? Yeah, I I could see that, all that. And, And I was watching a lot of, you know, reviews on the game and, I a lot of fans were angry that he didn't start. I didn't expect him to start, and to honestly think that he would start, I think it's kind of. I, I don't I don't see why you would think that he just got came into mm. the system. Uh, he's just started practicing, so I don't. I really didn't see him see mm-hmm. him as starting. I definitely saw him as a late sub, and he did come on as a late sub. I thought he'd come on around sixty plus. I didn't certainly didn't think he'd come mm. on at eighty three, uh, but at least he got time. He got time <laughs> under his belt, um, and good and good on him. Uh, next big topic on this game, Aguero touching the referee, the female referee who was the line judge. Yeah. Um, so I know Rebecca Lowe on NBCSN had some words for it. Uh, if you want to check that out, check it out. NBCSN, uh, NBC Sports. Uh, um, I have it. And a, maybe we'll uh, maybe we'll yeah, maybe we'll tag it. Page two but, as well, if you guys want to. See it. So uh, I I, th- I think she I think she's in the right and. Uh, and uh, she had some nice, and she had some, uh, you know, kind words and, and respect, you know. And uh, if you don't know, if you didn't see the game, Aguero uh, is upset about uh, the ball going on the touchline baseline uh, and uh, near the corner flag, probably 10, 20 feet off the corner flag. And the female line judge uh, go, calls it and goes against Aguero. Aguero gets mad, says, you know, his piece, and then touches her on the shoulder, I believe, right? On the on the yeah. middle of the center of the yes. shoulder blade. And she immediately either says something back, you know, like as a referee, or and then she pushes off. And and then it's done. Mm-hmm. Right? So we all know as players and as coaches, don't touch the ref. There's countless times that uh, players that have been sent off and or yellow carded for touching the referee and or cursing in their face saying they're what are their two pieces and the referee is like, oh, okay, that's fair. Uh, yeah. Here's a yellow card. Here's a red, whatever. Ronaldo, Ronaldo has been sent off for uh, pushing referee. That was a huge mm-hmm. deal a couple of years ago when he pushed the referee. I think it was Ronaldo. And uh, that was a huge deal. And, you know, and as a player and a coach, the only person that talks to the referee is your coach the captain, and who else? Your captain. That's it. Now, granted, emotion gets the best of you. Everyone understands that. You know, you fall down or you didn't yeah, get the you want. You said your piece. Like, come on. Yeah. You used to be like, come on, ref. Oh, you come on. You got to see that. All right, cool. And then you jog up the field. Right? Cool. Only person that does one-on-ones or anything is the ref. Or, sorry, excuse me. Is the coach and the captain. That's it. Now, as a referee and as a player, I'm sure your opinion is relatively the same as mine. Not about the same as anything there. Look. As we mentioned there, I think Rebecca put it about as nice as she could <laughs> without going a little bit off. I, I, could, I, could sense in could. Her, yes. I could sense in the voice there was a little bit of disgust. Not just because let's let's not only the fact that you put your hands on an official, but the way that you, you put your hands on a female official, no question, no less. Look, the game is evolving. We are seeing more. We are seeing more center refs, more ARs at the female stage, and they're well qualified for it. 
I ref with a lot of women in this area where I'm at. They are well-qualified women. They know what they are doing. They know I love working with them, and they don't take any crap. If any instance for me, if any instance that should have come out of this, the center ref should have seen this. Now, I don't know maybe if the AR had signaled to, if she had signaled to the center ref that something was going on from there. That I don't know of. I don't know of the communications or anything inside there. But at the minimum, to see something like that, at minimum, I'm pulling a yellow card on Aguero. You have no right. You have no right to be touching an unofficial in that aspect, regardless of the call, whatever you like, whatever you don't. I have instructed as, uh, myself as a player who has been a captain to my team. None of y'all do not talk to the ref. If you've got a problem, let me talk Same. to them. Same. As an official, I let the kids or the guys and girls know beforehand. You don't touch my officials. You treat them. As, I don't treat my officials as ARs. I treat them as officials too. You will listen to them. You do not touch them. That's been the law of the game forever. So the fact that this comes out and the fact that nothing really has come out of this, one, upsets me just because of the fact that I am trying to be, we are as a society trying to be a little bit more equal to the game, that women can understand this game just as much as the men do. And they have every right to be on that field to officiate a game. And secondly, we should know better by now. I mean, even even if you don't agree with the call, Aguero should know better than to not do something like that. So I would hope that the FA or something takes a look at this down the road a little bit further and maybe evolve this a little more closely just to remind people, no, you're not supposed to be doing that. Right on, right on. Good stuff. Uh, City, get the first win against Arsenal. It's early in the game. <laughs> four four, four points, yeah. Manchester you know, Manchester yeah. City is going to go in their Champions League play here this week. Arsenal will be going yeah. into Europa League play. I mean, overall, it could have been a worse game. I, I'm not telling there – were, there were chances. I'm sure there were chances for Arsenal in this game to make this at least level. I mean, Manchester City could have made it worse. But, I mean, all in all, I just it always fascinates me every time. Arsenal can get them in cup games. Easily has them figured out, but then they change the tactics so quickly in a league game. I just don't know what the mindset is on that, but hopefully that changes when these two meet again in league play. But I, I'm still pretty, pretty, right. pretty set that Arsenal still is going to be in contention. They just can't be dropping many more games like this. I agree. I agree. That's the first game Arsenal's dropped. I think they'll get points back um, after uh, they kind of have a, a rough restart here after an international break playing City. Uh, and then mm. going into Europa League. Uh, so not an easy uh, restart after the international break. The big topic <laughs> that we were kind of talking about on the page, and join us at yep. Soccer Central News on Facebook, please, please, please. It would mean the world to us. Everton and Liverpool, two-up draw. Calvert-Lewin, 81st, 81st minute header goal. to tie it mm. up. Absolute, absolute beautiful goal. Uh, gets in goal side. And just and just puts away a, just a beautiful header. Calvert Lewin, he's the man. He's the man on the. Yeah, on the we, we've mentioned it at the beginning. He was coming on at the last of the end of the season. All he needed was somebody to create plays for him. James Rodriguez is not somebody that is considered as one of those elite goal scorers that we thought he was going to be when we first were introduced to him in Colombia in 2014 at the World Cup. But I'll tell you what, he can create plays and he can create chances and goals. And no, certainly did he not have his hand in this second goal for Cabert-Lewin, who is just, again, coming on for himself, not just for Everton, but also making his debut for England too, as well and getting a goal for in his debut for England. So yep, Cabert-Lewin has just been a blessing for Everton. And Ancelotti's got something going on with Everton right now. Right, right. <laughs> and the big talk that yeah. everyone's been talking about it's it's been everywhere. If you follow any soccer page or any sports page, it's the Virgil Van Dyke VVD mm-hmm. injury caused by Jordan Pickford, uh, the the keeper of Everton. Who you know, say what you like about Pickford. I'm actually a big Pickford fan. I think he's a fan. I think mm-hmm. he's a very good keeper, uh, especially for England. I thought he did did. He was absolutely heroic during the World Cup. He made some absolute stellar saves in that game. Um, he was definitely on point. However, I don't remember the what minute it was. It was relatively early the, in the uh, game. Um, uh, close to the fortieth minute is when it when this incident happened. So, if you didn't watch, what happened was is that there was an offsides call. The referee obviously mm-hmm. played it to an extent until he saw the flag and it was called. However, Virgil Van Dyke uh, was already pressing up the 
up the uh, uh, inside the six yard box and went to challenge on the ball and Pickford absolutely scissor kicked the crap out of him and took him out. And I believe after, after uh, the medical survey, he came back with an yeah. ACL injury yeah. up to eight months out. So, so essentially he's probably going to be done. Is, he's he's going to miss the season. Yeah. So essentially is we, we got, we got, we got to attack different things here. One offsides. Yes. yes it, was. it was an absolute offsides call. Absolutely. Number two, again, this is a, this is a benefit of having a friend as a referee Two, Pickford, in my opinion, that's an absolute mm-hmm. send off. And the, the reason why that, uh, that I, that I was told, you know, <laughs> via the TV <laughs> is that the, 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 the referee did not review because they only didn't review the, it would have been a foul, obviously, and it would have been a PK, but, and Pickford probably would have been sent off, but Pickford's foul on him, or the, the, his play on, on Van Dyke was not reviewed because it was a non-reviewable play because it happened after the actual offsides call, mm-hmm. which is reviewable. So, we got uh, two two questions. To foul me, or yes, no foul? it is a foul. I uh, mean, after looking, that's an absolute. It is an absolute foul, regardless if it was after the play or not. That's an absolute scissor kick, scissor kick, and what he did with both feet onto Virgil Van Dyke. Yes, that is a foul to my eyeballs. Absolutely. Number two. See, that's Red. where it just gets a little dicey from there, don't you think? I mean, you would think instantly that. And some people had one, I had seen one talk about, well, wasn't it dog so? Why didn't they give a red for dog so? Well, number one, he was called offside, so there was no chance to, for it to be even be mentioned as a dog so. Once it's called offside, there's no chance to be reviewing from that play. And yeah, you can't review an, off, you can't review an offside call unless a goal is scored. Let me rephrase that. You cannot review an offside goal in the EPL offside unless a goal was scored that's what their tape that's why this was not reviewable it's dicey to me i i it, the fact it, it to me honestly honestly kyle if i would if i would have been the official if i would have been the video ref i at least would have told this center official i would have told i believe it was michael oliver who was the center ref at that in that match i would have at least signaled and said hey you might want to take a look at this yeah it was off the play yeah this was off the clock but this looks like a little more intentional than what we think. And yeah, it doesn't look, doesn't look great. It looks pretty gruesome. It is a absolute, if you haven't seen it, please go look at it. It is an absolute gruesome tackle. Now is Pickford in the right? Because technically, again, this is per the rules of the game. There was no whistle at the time. So the play went on, even though the flag was up, the play, the whistle was blown while while both players are going for the ball. So Pickford is in the right for going towards the ball. It's a 50-50 ball. No one has control of it. He's the keeper. Absolutely. However, the way he goes in is absolutely horrific. It is a brutal tackle. And by the way, I checked it. It's in the fifth minute. Okay, so fifth minute. Fifth minute. Beforehand. So a lot of I, I see a lot of pundits that are saying that Jordan Pickford should get the exact <laughs> that, same sentence that, that, that that's, Virgil that van Dyke right is going to be out for that won't happen, but I mean, if you've seen the tackle well, and what the, the implications, you kind of the you, FA kind of thinking the, the same FA thing. Can I don't know if they will, but the FA does have a right to go back and look and review certain plays. I don't know if this falls under the category. There is certain criteria that the FA can go back and look and say if a foul wasn't called or that maybe should have warrant a second viewing, it can be done. I don't know, though, if that has to be instituted or a protest has to be done by the opposing club. In this case, it would have to be Liverpool itself that would have to institute this protest. I don't know if that happens or not. And I don't know. I mean, I, I listened to Klopp's after game thoughts, and initially he's thinking – I mean, a 50-50 chance, I didn't have the greatest look at it. I'm certain, though, now, I haven't seen anything today. I'm certain, though, now, after he's taken a look at it a little bit closely, I'm sure he's not impressed about it. Now, again, but he has to institute that, and it has to be approved by the FA to go in and make an investigation. But, again, I I don't see Pickford as somebody that would intentionally – 
yeah. It, it, it's not it's intentional. intentional. Don't, don't get me wrong. Yeah, don't get our words I twisted. Just, it's not it intentional. Is, and if you watch me, the, it's a if poor, you watch the to video, me it's a poor decision or a poor yeah. way to go into the ball in a 50-50 chance. Now, I get why he's doing it. He's protecting the ball. He has every right to that. It does seem a little – it does seem reckless in the challenge itself. Now, but again, VAR can right. distinctly – and key TV cameras can distinctly, again, make things look way worse than what you see in real time. I'm experiencing this as officials now. A lot of things that happen in real time, I'm not going to see unless it was ever slowed down. And I'm never going to see that at an adult amateur or a high school level. I will not have that luxury to see that. So it's easier for viewers like us when we watch these games to say, well, my God, that should be a straight red, shouldn't it? So I'm, I want to defend Michael Oliver's ways to say why nothing was pulled. But at the very least to me, I would have been, as the VAR official, I would have probably have said, hey, go take a look at this. We might have something on here. Whether that warranted a yellow or whether that warranted a straight red, that would have been remained to be seen. But at least to me, I wish they would have at least taken a look at this. So here's another thing. It, it, Jordan Trickford has every right to go for this ball. And he is actually – he's not He's not like just a player who just, you know, <laughs> sips his water and just goes about his business during injury. No, he's actually right next to Virgil van Dijk and other Liverpool players. And he's actually like, hey, you know, it was a fair play. And, you know, he, he's genuine. I mean, but you got – at the same time, it's, man, he came in it, hard it's, charging. It's a tough, it's a tough um, subject. It really is a tough subject same, because we've heard it on both sides. There are both sides yes. that said no, he – wasn't being reckless. There's those that are absolutely said yes. There should be a red. Should be an absolute red card. And you mentioned it. We've got a bunch of pundits that have that are on the table on both sides. I'm going to have to go through and listen today. <clears throat> there's another. There's another. A couple of people that I like listening to uh, myself that probably have go a little bit more deep in detail about this. And I'm going to have to review it again and watch it again just to see what happens. But yeah, it, it was. It was rather. It was rather unusual. It sucked that it had to happen in that type of a game. Because even after that, I mean, Liverpool still got ahead. I mean, it was it still was able to score the first goal in that game. And it wasn't even the only controversial thing that we had with the officials. We had another one at the end of the game, too, that was a little bit controversial at the end. VAR. Yeah. So before we get to the VAR call, um, do you think you think there are uh, any repercussions coming back on Pickford? Well, the has already come out. Well, suspension three game come out and said that there was be there would there would be no there would be no suspension or anything from for Jordan Pickford that has come out so that just kind of as I'm I looked at it up I looked it up now and that's why I say now okay there's not going to be any protests or anything by Liverpool because the FA has come out and said there will be no further discipline or anything for Jordan Pickford following this match so the FA has already come out they have already studied this they have said we're not doing anything he let's move on play on which is that yeah? To and what does this add to cost? Well, this costs Liverpool one of the best center backs, if not the best center back in the world, for pretty much the rest of the season. That's a big. That's a big blow for Liverpool's defense. Uh, number one, number two. I mean, you have to wonder now too. The next time, <laughs> the next Merseyside derby that these two meet with each other. Boy, you have to wonder how that's going to feel because when you're back at Anfield, and I don't know when these two play again when they are at Anfield, whether that be at a chance where. If COVID is a little bit more under control, if we might see some fans in there or not, boy, you can't think that there'd be a little bit of a little bit of leeway going towards Pickford and a little bit of uh, persuasion, or in terms of just a little bit of absolute sheer, you know, rage going at Pickford. So, it, I don't know. It's weird. Yeah, and yeah. So, and here's another thing: in the 87th minute. Uh, Tiago Alcantara absolutely gets blitzkrieg by Richarlison. Richarlison yes. does get the red, straight red, 87th, 86th minute. Uh, you, you would argue, hey, it's relatively the same foul. Um, and, yeah, that you know, man, that was a rough too. one to see, too. But, but uh, another bad VA, yeah. VAR call. This was the game of games right here. Hey, another I, bad VAR call. Okay, so – People, if people haven't seen it yet, or people aren't, don't describe it. Ever Liverpool, Jordan Henderson had a third goal that was called by an offside, called for being offside on the goal. Um, and it wasn't initially the goal was meant. The goal was given. 
initially. So this wasn't a goal and then offside was called and they went back. No, like the goal was given by Jordan Henderson. VAR, though, comes, steps in yeah. and says, we need to check the goal. And they check every, any time they always check the goal for offside. If there, if there's any reason to believe that there was. And yet again, by the slimmest, and I mean slimmest of margins. And when you, when you slow it down and when you have the camera views angles to line that up and see that it's half of his fingers, half of his fingers are offside. Kyle, it drives people nuts, but by the letter of the law, yes, it is the correct call. But what drives me nuts is that we've got to be, this is why people are not liking the VAR system. It's just that by the slimmest and slimmest of margins did it take. And yeah, does this, did this affect? Because yeah, absolutely. This could have been three points for Liverpool. This could have changed. This would have been the first drop of points for Everton. And this really could have catapulted Liverpool back into the top of the APL. But as a result, it ends up as a tie. The goal isn't given and Everton still remain unbeaten with only one draw which is to their opponent, which now this makes like 10 or 11 draws against each other in the last 10 seasons. I mean, but you want to talk about just how gut-wrenching that is. And just if, if fan, the fans, the anti-VAR people just were having a heyday, of course, especially you have those who feel that Liverpool benefits so much from VAR. So they were just up in arms and just glee, jumping for joy when VAR goes against Liverpool for the first time in such a long while. But it just it goes in the lines again. It's just it just doesn't seem like the clean and the smoothness of the game that you and I both like. And that if you're not going to get it there the first time around, then let's let it go. If we have to, if we have to go to one little slimmer of a finger or a toe, is it really that worth it to really give that from there? And that's the biggest question. I don't know the right answer, but it, to me, it just seems way, way out of hand. Right, and you know, not not no bad love. I mean, it's a it's a rough game, and uh, you know, Ancelotti and Jurgen Klopp both in good in yeah. high spirits on the sideline. So there's no bad blood between managers. It doesn't look like there's any bad blood between between players. I mean, yeah, you probably wish one team would have got the win versus another, but you know, it, it was a rough game. Sometimes those games just happen. Now EPL's done. I'm sure you got some. I do have some stuff, stuff to pass my way. way my um, it was as over the weekend for the Bundesliga for me. Um, Borussia Dortmund heading into Hoffenheim over the weekend is in their pre-warm up week before Champions League. Now, coming into this match a little bit, I was a little bit kind of perturbed by the way of the lineup in the first half, the way that it rolled with Borussia Dortmund, and just given that Hoffenheim coming off high off high expectations. Given that they won four to one against Bayern Munich, you would have to think that they would have a pretty good shot against Dortmund. And yeah, they did in the first half. There was a lot of chances. Actually, Hoffenheim had a lot more as far as balance, as far as team possession goes. In the first half, I would have thought Hoffenheim would have had every right to win this game. Second half, though, comes in. Holland comes in, had at least two chances to score on goal, didn't get them. It would be the old El Capitan Marco Royce who would get the get the goal, the lone goal in the 75th minute to get the much-needed three points that Dortmund was going to need, a 1-0 win over Hoffenheim. That cat, that does get the tough three points for what they needed. Now, Bayern Munich, they get their 4-1 win over <clears throat> newly relegated Armenia. There's also RB Leipzig has, you would think, losing Timo Werner. You would think that we'd be losing a beat. No, they're not losing a beat right now. They got their 1-0 win this weekend as well. And so they're clicking along. As I look at the Bundesliga stand- table right now, it is RB Leipzig that does lead the table right now on 12 points. You also have Bayern Munich at second and Borussia Dortmund sitting at third right now. So you would think the top three teams that should be at the top are back at the top a few games in. But the surprise team to me right now is Stuttgart is VFB Stuttgart, and they are coached. I can't remember the ma- the man's name, but he is an American coach. Uh, but he is leading Stuttgart, who are also just promoted back up from the second Bundesliga, which really blew my mind that they were ever down in the second division because as big of a stadium that Stuttgart has, the way that their support has in the city itself, Stuttgart is back up there, and they're in fourth place right now, so they're kind of a surprise to me. The other big thing over the weekend to me was this, and I go to La Liga. And for the first time that I had seen in a long while, both Real Madrid and Barcelona 
drop points. And I'm not talking as far as draws. They both lose two teams that they probably should not have lost to over the weekend. I'm a little bit shocked right now, Kyle. So I pass this to you a little bit. Which one right now might be a little bit more shocking? The the struggles of Barcelona or the stroke, maybe the slight struggles that is Real Madrid right now. So, he, he, I, I can, you know this, and I know a lot of followers on our on our group page. Yes. I'm not a fan of La Liga for various reasons, um, but I think both of those teams are struggling due to uh, the financial financial problems due to the outbreak on uh, multiple, uh, you know, cost uh, effective ways to, uh, you know, get money back into the programs. Um, and I think that has actually hurt them a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, so honestly, I would say, I would say probably Barca if I had to say one, um, but I think both are affected and, uh, you know, I think both those teams, I think will obviously push through to the end, but I think, uh, that both of them are suffering due to the financial issues and multiple teams are especially in germany and in spain i mean it, it's it's world it's a worldwide thing i mean it, they come out over the weekend not over the weekend but i know even in england i mean something was put together that now that was going to be a 250 dollar 250 million payment to the second and third division teams in english league which heavily heavily helps them right now because i don't remember what team it was but one team had already considered to be Defund, just be bankrupt. They weren't able to get any to play because they didn't have any money because of this outbreak of of this uh, pandemic that we have around the world right now. Uh, but yes, all teams, all clubs are struggling. But I am in agreement with you. I don't think they could be any more in the point of than Barcelona right now. I mean, the fans don't like the president. Uh, they don't like the the appointment of Ronald Koeman, um, even even if he's had the success that he had at the Netherlands. Messi just – he says one thing, and then I don't know what he's thinking in another way. I just I, – for me, I'm a firm believer that this is it for him after this season. I don't think he's going to be back at Barcelona. Whether Where that happens at the end, where he goes, I don't know from there. Right, and, right. But there's just – there's struggles within that, not just there in Barcelona itself, but, I mean, the, the effects of losing Suarez must be affecting Messi, number one all these youth and all these other players that we have to remember that there's some players on this team for Barcelona too. They are getting up there in age and they cannot, they're not moving near as quick as they used to. Now age is catching up with them and Barcelona can't make the acquisitions that they want to quick enough because of all the financial restrictions that a lot of teams have right now. So yeah, Barcelona is struggling. Yeah. I eventually, I think they'll both come out of their clutter. They'll both be fine. We know that they're still, even with all this, they're still the two better teams in, in La Liga right now. So we'll have to see what happens from there. But outside of that, I just, for me, it's just kind of uh, good league play all around and just crossing my fingers each week. And I was really concerned, especially too, with Con and Bull doing their qualifications with guys that played in Europe that did play in South America and then coming back to Europe. I was a little concerned. It seems like everybody so far, knock on wood, that everybody's okay, didn't, didn't catch anything while over there. Same thing goes with anybody that was playing in the uh, Euro, the Nations League for Euro qualifying. So hopefully things can stay as clean as they can. I just know that right now that, where it seems like the world right now is in another wave and we've gotten rising cases. And now we're seeing where we had some fans coming in a little bit. Now they're getting restricted again. It's just kind of a mess right now. And I'm just hoping that there'll be a bright light at the end of the road. And there has to be. So that's just for, for us though, at least there's still some stuff going on like there will be tomorrow and champions league is coming back tomorrow, which is crazy to think that we were only off for two months and now we're back in champions league play again. I, I can't wait. Uh, I know Arsenal is in uh, the in uh, the Europa League after winning the FA Cup. Um, good good on them. That's <laughs> uh, <laughs> still going to be a struggle. And I tell you what, we were talking about it last show is that man the, the Europa League is is tough. But then you start looking at the teams that even some of the underdogs that get into the Champions yes. League. Man, there's some good groups in there. there are- Very good groups. Very underrated teams. They're underrated teams. And I I tell you, so 
for those of you tomorrow, you can take a look at the group stages and anything from there. I'm not going to go through them on the list for anybody here. You can find them easily. So three games I pay attention to tomorrow for you guys, for your viewing pleasures, if you so choose. Now, all your games, you can get it on CBS. If you're in the States, you can, you can get it CBS All Access. You can stream from there. That's where every single game, both Europa and Champions League, actually, by the way, all the games will be streaming from there tomorrow. Three games I pay attention to tomorrow that I will definitely have on my iPad and on my phone at work tomorrow. The first one is going to be Chelsea against Sevilla. I love with Lepetongi, however we say his last name. I know he wanted to coach the U.S. men's team, and I wish we would have at least given him an interview, but because he couldn't speak English. Thanks very much, U.S. soccer, for that. Still a little bit angry about that. But moving on, I like I like Sevilla's defensive style. They're the ones who won Europa League last year, and they got into the fi- they got into the Super Cup final against Bayern Munich. Ended up losing, but Sevilla is going to be in Champions League play. They're going to ch- face off against Chelsea, and it's nice to see with Chelsea. Now Chelsea is also another one of these teams that you're not 100 percent certain with all the attacking front that they have. It looks amazing with Ziyech finally getting time in. Pulisic is back with Timo Werner and Kai Havertz. They look amazing. Their issue, it's defense, and oh my goodness, Kyle, is it the keeper. The keeper is a problem. Kepa, I'm pretty sure, has probably lost his position. And once the keeper from Senegal that was just recently signed by Chelsea is finally healthy again, probably he's going to be the number one keeper. But I like to see kind of what that attacking front's going to be for the more defensive style against Sevilla. The second match to me, I like the Dortmund game against Lazio. Dortmund is going to Italy to play Lazio tomorrow. Now, something to watch with Lazio, a lot of people don't remember, is that They've got a score there that actually he, – he had a lot of goals last season, was going with Lewandowski, and I forget his last name. You might help me since you know the Italian league a little bit better than I do. Uh, but their top striker last year had at least 35, if not 36 goals last season in Serie A himself and keeping Lazio in contention right up until the last few matches. So this isn't an easy game for Dortmund, but I would assume, though, too, Dortmund should have a little bit of the advantage as far as attacking goes. My concern with Dortmund, as it always is, is going to be the age of the defense for Dortmund and can they keep their striker for Lazio in check tomorrow. So that's something I'll watch. And then the other one? I think will be I'll probably be the big one of the day that everybody will be watching. It'll be Manchester United against PSG tomorrow afternoon. Now, key things though that are coming out of this is one, you will not have you will not have Maguire and you will not have Cavani. Both have been reported they will, did not travel with the team to PSG for this match. So you don't get the reunion that everybody was waiting for with Cavani with Man United up against his older club in PSG. And of course, Maguire has been having some defensive issues of himself. Now, I want to see exactly, though, what happens, though, as far as is Manchester United's attacking front going to show up in this match like they did in their last game uh, that finally, finally did in league play, or are they going to crumble again like they did against Tottenham, right? And you just don't know what, what's going to happen with Manchester United. PSG is kind of up in arms. I don't know usually what you're going to get out of them. It's either great games out of Mbappe and Neymar, or it's going to be terrible games out of the both of them. But there's no love lost between either of these two teams. I can tell you that much right now, too. So those, to me, are going to be the three games for me as far as Champions League goes tomorrow to watch. Now, there's plenty of other games, though, tomorrow that will be playing. Barcelona's going to be playing tomorrow. There'll be other team, big-name teams that are going to be playing tomorrow, too. So, But to me, those are the three that I'm focusing on. I don't know if you have anything that catches your eyeball maybe more than me, Kyle. But those, to me, that's my eyeball for watching for tomorrow. Uh, no, I'm I'm right there with you. I think uh, I thought the big uh, Cavani and Maguire not traveling. I think that's a big thing as well. Uh, and I agree with you 100. Um, percent And you, you know, you you think like we talked about in the last show. Do you think like if Man United can't make it out of the group, are they in trouble? You would have to say. Yeah, sure. Gosh, I would love I would love to get a Man United fan, and I I mean I know a couple of them very well. If you're a Man United fan, I mean, no, I know one of them very well, and he has a lot of opinions on the team very much. Uh, but I, I just, I have to think that there's got to be results regardless, even if, even if Solskjaer didn't get who he wanted, and ultimately, I think it's pretty obvious they wanted Sancho. They wanted to have Sancho, but I don't think that was really. If I talk to the true Man United fans, they honestly said that. Dortmund put the price too high on Sancho. We should have just moved on and got more center backs, which is really what we really needed more than anything. Because 
honestly, to me, I can't see any reason why with Bruno Fernandez, with Mason Gradewood up at the front. I mean, I, I and even even Pogba has a little bit of a resurgence with, under Salazar. So I, I just can't think that the talent is there for Manchester United. Even even with Rashford yeah, on top, I, I, I think, yeah, they have so much skill and so much, um, you know, attacking uh, prowess, yeah. if you will, that – you 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 would think that they would do something. Well, and there again, and that's where I don't know. If there's just is it is it Solzhar? Is there something else that's missing in there? I mean, yeah, they did add Van Beek coming over from Ajax, which I would assume he's going to get more playing time. Um, and whatever wherever they're going to insert Cavani, I know Cavani can come in and will be inserted somewhere uh, whenever that he does play. But this is not an easy matchup. I mean, it was an, it was a hard enough group as it was for both PSG and Man United to both be in there. And then along with RB Leipzig, along with that, because they're not going to be an easy out either. I can tell you right now, playing RB Leipzig will, no, will be no slouch in the park. Uh, but I, I just, I, I always am wondering that, has Manchester United got to this point that it used to be, well, everybody wants to play for us. We're Manchester United. We'll always get those players. Well, it didn't happen this time around. And yeah, a lot of people, a lot of Man United fans may not like what I'm saying, but Dortmund was not gonna, was never going to back down from the start. I can guarantee you, is the price tag maybe a little high on Sancho? Perhaps. Yeah. Has he not won anything yet? Yeah, perhaps. But apparently, Dortmund sees something. A lot of the other teams see something with Sancho on there. That's why the price tag was put as high as it was, just to keep for at least, I'm hoping for one more season now at Dortmund. Hopefully that something will come about for Sancho. And then, yeah, maybe he'll move on. And, yeah, he may end up at Manchester United. But I, I, I didn't think he was going to be the ultimate answer for them. I honestly would have agreed with those who told me we needed more center backs. We needed more help at the center position. So I don't know what it is about Manchester United. But, again, I mean, PSG's from time to time, yeah, I know they were in the Champions League final last year, but I want to see kind of the after effects of what's going to happen. You know, you don't have Silva there anymore. I know, yeah, he was a little bit older, but he was the center point piece for PSG. And yeah, this is must-see TV because we know there's no no love lost between these two squads. So I am just, I'm very interested in these. Those are, again, those are my three matches tomorrow. And those are a reminder again. Any of the matches that you want to see, Europa League or Champions League, CBS All Access is going to have all of it this year. They took over from the Bleacher Report, Turner Sports people from last season. Awesome. Coming up on an hour, my friend. Let's end it on this. The possible goal of the season, RB Leipzig, Yusuf Poland's yes. goal. What do you, what do you think? <laughs> I, tell, I tell you, this is the reason Ooh. why RB Leipzig is going to be just fine. This is why I believe that RB Leipzig is going to be a threat with Dortmund and Bayern in Bundesliga play. I, I love with what Nagelsmann has done with this team. A lot of people don't realize Nagelsmann is only 34 years old for the coach for RB Leipzig. He does amazing things. And with his crew that he has, and it's not just about, yeah, a lot of people don't, I, I throw away the whole, RB Leipzig, by whatever, blah, blah, blah. We know what they have there. I just love the style of play that they have. The attacks, the attacking is still there. I love that goal that he had there. And they have enough plays on defense, too. A lot of people tend to forget. Do not forget the fact that Mr. Tyler Adams, who comes from the New York Red Bull system, he's now starting with, with RB Leipzig because a a very serious perimeter player that is very meaningful in the defense for them. I prefer that they would play him at his true position, which he is at a right midfield. He's not a right back, but he can play the right back, which is what he's playing at RB Leipzig right now. But yes, Yusuf Wu's goal was just amazing. Yes, one of the candidates already for goal of the season for RB Leipzig. So if you didn't miss, if you'd missed it, go to bonusliga.com and some of these other websites, uh, he he hits an absolute volley uh, of a shot uh, inside the 18, uh, and in, you you got to think even as a coach, it was a fantastic goal. He, you can see it e- even when the chip came in, and as a soft side chip came right to him, it's about uh, 10 feet away. Chip comes into him, he beats the defender off the off the far post, and eyes are on the ball as the ball comes in. Doesn't even look at the goal. He knows where the goal is. It. He's he's already inside the 18. He already knows where he's at. And eyes on the ball, eyes on the ball, laces through and just rips it top right corner. Uh, keeper had no chance uh, from the angle. It was an absolute beautiful goal. I'm sure we'll get a lot more beautiful goals. But that 
by far is I would say the oh, it's got to be the gold weekend. weekend. So, but I'm sure we're going to see many others. But right now, it's lovely to put that on that list for goal of the season in any other leagues from there. So, but I definitely will keep my eyeballs out because as always, we're always finding some amazing screechers, amazing glossos, and all other leagues itself. So I always keep my eyeballs out on that. And so, and as a reminder, again, for our guys and gals that are with us on Soccer Central News, please give us a follow on Facebook. Please use that as your page to please post your favorite leagues. If you have some amazing videos, if you have some hot takes per se that you would like to do, because we always love a friendly debate with one another. And we like some good friendly conversations with one another as well. But that page is made. That's why Kyle and I have this page for you guys, is that it is for us, for soccer fans, to bring everything together there. And oh, by the way, yes. Yeah, we've kind of thought about it a little bit. We are in the works. We're kind of thinking, yeah, we are still under the name Soccer Central News, but we're kind of thinking we might want to change that up just slightly, but we're not sure yet. We're, we're working on some things from there right now. But just again, guys, please, please do so. Please make, please put those photos up, videos, whatever it is. And even if you have questions for us too as well, please put those up there as well. Yeah, we do. Yeah, exactly. We do polls. We do questions. We do, you know, some poke fun at at each other's teams. And, you know, it's just good fun. It's for fans, by the fans, as everyone says. Um, created by myself and Tyler Bates, a uh, good friend of mine. And we're going to end it at that, my friend. It was great talking to you. I really appreciate you coming on the show today. And we're going to have to – you. We're gonna have to no, I'm hoping hopefully here sometimes we'll, as we expand the next time around, as I know a lot of us, we talked with some, some are kind of wrapping up some things for the season, some other time stuff. We'll just try and, we'll try and figure out a way that we can get more people on here to talk with one another, be it a Zoom or be it on here with you and I. But I'd love to get some more intakes as far as the Russian Premier League goes and any other leagues itself that people have a little bit more insider with. I actually talked with a buddy. He's a very – he's more keen into the job. Japanese J1 league, which I do pay attention to from time to time, but he is a huge insider on it, and he has a lot more insights and a lot more stories than I would ever think of. So I might sometime bring him on a little bit because he's got a lot of interesting things going on right now in J1. I absolutely love the Japanese fans. They are absolute, absolutely fantastic. They have a great league. I don't follow as much as I should, uh, but they have an absolute uh, killer fan base. They are awesome. Um, and uh, I'm going to get into them soon. So we're going to end it at that. Soccer Central News on Facebook. Tyler Bates. My name's Kyle. We're your hosts. We want anyone and everyone to come on the show with us and talk. Gab, let's talk. You know, let's have some fun. Thanks, man. I appreciate it. Thank you, as always. Thank you guys very much.